a desert planet with twin suns. Why do I sense we've picked up another pathetic life form? Use my knowledge. Much to learn, you still Welcome back to Twin Sun Talks, folks. I'm your host, Jonah Liu. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, glad to have you today. We're going to be talking today about some Star Wars conspiracy theories, which were super fun to put together. Uh, this is going to be more of a jokey episode. Uh, I wouldn't take too much of this too, too seriously for all of you diehard fans out there. Um, but this is just for fun. Uh, and stay tuned for my breakdown of the Darth Jar Jar um, theory. I know that that's what a lot of y'all will be here for. Um, but essentially, I'll just be going through some of my favorite Star Wars conspiracies and either saying whether I agree with them or not. Uh, so with that being said, let's drive into visions. To continue, we need one singular vision. My vision. All right, so I got six different conspiracy theories for y'all, and I'm just going to run through them. Uh, these are not the only ones that I can have a follow-up uh, to this episode where uh, in the future where I go through more. But these are just the ones that I believe are the most prominent. So, starting off, y'all already know what I'm going to say, but Mace Windu is alive, folks. I know in the last episode, or one of the last episodes, I recently uh, stated that, canonically speaking, he is actually dead. But he's alive, and I'll tell you why. First of all, Jedi have never been known to die from falls or force lightning or dismemberment in the known canon. Um, so, what happened to Mace Windu? He had his arm chopped off, he got hit with force lightning, and then he fell out of a window. So, none of those things have been seen to kill Jedi. Now, if you combine all of them, you could make an argument that it would, but no, he's alive, and he's alive until, um, until I see him, his carcass laying dead on the pavement of Coruscant. Um, and also, despite his canonical status of deceased, I would argue that a uh, Jedi as powerful as Mace Windu would be able to survive such an inconclusive fight with Sidious. Um, so, yeah, the fact that I didn't see him actually die, and regardless of the fact that the Clone Wars character encyclopedia marks him as dead, I don't care. Uh, he's alive in my head canon. He's going to show up in the Book of Boba Fett. So, that's the first one. Secondly, how did Shakti die? This is a bit of a meme as well as a conspiracy theory in the Star Wars uh, fandom, but Shakti has died in many different ways. There's one that I'm missing because it's from, I think it's the one of the Force Unleashed games, Shakti dies, um, but I'm, I never played those games and I'm not super familiar, so I didn't add that. But the, she dies two different ways in two deleted scenes from Revenge of the Sith, and we don't actually ever see her die. She dies two different ways, but we never actually see either. Uh, one of them, of which is on board the Invisible Hand, and Grievous impales her, and another of which is during the Temple Rage, uh, she is, during Order 66, she is meditating, and Anakin comes up behind her and impales her. Um, another one is... Um, it happens in the Clone Wars, and it is she. It, she gets impaled by a blue lightsaber from behind, much like in both of these deleted scenes. But we don't actually see who it is. It can be inferred that it's Anakin, just based on the context of the rest of what's going on. Um, and then this is the one that I have uh, canonized in my head. Canon is Anakin fights her and kills her 
and it is seen by Obi-Wan and Yoda on the hologram whenever they uh, kind of uh, investigate the security footage. And this is from the Lego Star Wars game, The Complete Saga, and that is my official headcanon. And if you disagree with that, then you're a loser. Uh, this next one is actually pretty interesting, and it is that Palpatine kills Padme in order to give Vader life. And so this comes from the fact that Padme breathes her last breath as Vader breathes his first as his suit is being put on. And I think that it'd be super cool and quite ironic, kind of morbidly ironic, if Palpatine used his master, Darth Plagueis's, uh, teachings, the ones that he promised to teach to Anakin in order to save Padme, to save Vader while killing Padme, the primary reason for Vader's turn to the dark side in the first place. And it would also draw a cool distinction between uh, Sith and Jedi immortality, with the Jedi being able to achieve this through selfless action, and the Sith achieving it at the expense of other people's lives. So I think that that would be a super cool uh, thing to canonize, and it would be a lot cooler than her dying of sadness. But, um, say la vie. I don't think that that's going to be canon, but, um, I don't know. I thought that was pretty cool. The other thing is, who rightfully owns the Darksaber? Now, uh, this is a bit of a spoiler for uh, Rebels and the Mandalorian and Clone Wars, I suppose. So if you haven't watched those, then avert your ears. But at this point, I've kind of stopped trying to prevent uh, spoilers. But uh, pre Vizsla owns it initially. So that's who we first see it with. Vizsla is then defeated by Darth Maul in Trial by Combat. Maul is defeated by Sidious a few episodes later, but Maul retains the Darksaber and it travels uh, through its lineage from uh, Maul to Ezra to Sabine to Bo-Katan to Moff Gideon to Din Djarin, as we see in existing canon. But, but Sidious should be the rightful owner of the Darksaber, having defeated Maul in single combat. So, if we follow this train of thought, if Sidious is the rightful heir, and then Sidious is defeated through the combined efforts of Vader and Luke, and then Vader dies, therefore Luke has a rightful claim to the Darksaber, and then Luke dies due to immense exertion using force projection to distract Kylo and letting uh, the Resistance escape on Krayt, and due to this indirect cause of death, Kylo is now the heir. And then Kylo dies in episode 9 due to not having enough life force to sustain himself. And while Rey could have uh, transferred some of her life force back into him and therefore saved him, she didn't, uh, which means that she kind of caused his death, uh, which means that Rey is the rightful heir to the Darksaber, which sucks, so I'm not going to go with that one. Uh, another uh, way to go would be that Palpatine is not killed by Vader, but rather the reactor shaft that he is thrown into. And what is that reactor shaft an extension of? The second Death Star. And who destroys the second Death Star? Lando freaking Calrissian. So, Lando has rightful claim to the Darksaber. And since he's alive and well at the end of Episode 9, there's no reason that anyone else should. So I don't care about no Din Djarin Bo-Katan feud. Give my man Lando the Darksaber. And that's what I have to say about that. A smaller conspiracy theory is that uh, there is a rebel trooper on Endor in episode 6 that has a white beard. And the theory is that that uh, soldier 
is in fact Rex because it looks a lot like Rex's character design in Star Wars Rebels where he's older and he has kind of a white Santa beard. And this was already my head canon um, before this, but I believe that this has already been canonized to be him because while Dave Filoni has said uh, in some interviews about Rebels that he's not going to conform nor deny whether or not it's Rex, and he's going to kind of just leave that up to the fans, there is a series of shorts which I would highly recommend. They're called Star Wars Galaxy of Adventures, and they're on the Star Wars Kids YouTube channel. And there's one about Han Solo, and in the scenes on Endor, you can see the white-bearded rebel trooper, and he has uh, clone armor on under his camouflage uh, stuff with blue decals, which is pretty blatantly Rex. So be that canon or not, I think that that's enough to make it officially headcanon in my, in my brain that Rex is in fact the trooper on Endor. Um, so that's a shorter one than any of the other ones, but I just thought that was cool. Alrighty, so here's the main event, the thing that y'all have all been waiting for, and it is Darth Jar Jar. Now, a disclaimer, this is not my theory, as you probably already know. Um, it was made on Reddit. I don't remember the original author of it, but you can look up, just look up Darth Jar Jar original Reddit post, and you can read the entire thing yourself. This is very much just a cliff note summary of what it is. Um, and there are a lot of great YouTube videos about it as well, which have uh, visuals to go with it. But um, I love this theory so very much. And I just wanted to share it with y'all and see what y'all thought and share my thoughts on it. So the theory goes that Darth, uh, that Jar Jar Binks was in fact a Sith Lord the entire time. Uh, and was supposed to be kind of the big bad of the prequel trilogy, um, which I think is absolutely fantastic. And I'm just going to say right now that I, I believe this. I think that this is the thing 100%, or was supposed to be a thing, and ended up not being a thing. And uh, there's the last thing, well, one of the last things that I'm going to say is, is my biggest reason. So, like I said, this is not my theory. This was made back in 2015, around when Episode 7 was coming out. And so... Jar Jar, the theory goes that Jar Jar actually puts up a, fa a facade of being a bumbling fool in order to hide his true nature as a Dark Lord of the Sith. Uh, and he's actually working uh, in collaboration with Palpatine because they're both from Naboo. It's not too far-fetched that they might have run into each other at some point in time before the events of the movies that we see. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's pretty... It's pretty gnarly to think about, but, I mean, being born on the same planet in the Star Wars galaxy is, is pretty akin to being, like, next-door neighbors. Um, so they're, they're, if they were in close enough proximity, it is not hard to fathom that they would have uh, potentially, especially if they were both strong with force, uh, encountered each other at one point or another. Uh, first, Exhibit A are feats that Jar Jar performs that most regular, quote-unquote, or non-Force-sensitive individuals would not be able to. The first thing, and this is one of the first things that we see, is Jar Jar does a standing 20-foot twisting flip into the water. That seems like the work of a Force-sensitive to me. We don't see any other Gungans jumping like that. Um, 
So that's the first one. And also, he is very conveniently effective in battle despite seemingly lacking any sort of prowess whatsoever. And this is especially interesting because Jedi are based out off of Shaolin monks, and there's a specific um, sect or a form of kung fu which is called Zuquan, which is called the which is uh, essentially called the drunken fighter, which is utilizing fluid and seemingly inebriated motions in order to lure your opponent into a false sense of security and uh, kind of targeting their vulnerability in that way. And uh, using very unassuming, very uh, non-threatening motions and kind of utilizing your body's momentum in order to uh, take your opponent down that way. And that's very similar to what Jar Jar does in Episode 1, The Phantom Menace, when fighting uh, in the Battle of Naboo when the Gungans face off against the droid army. Um, he can also be seen utilizing um, force speed. Now, this is a bit more of a stretch and it's a little more of a visual thing, but bear with me. So... Whenever uh, he gets to Theed, the capital of um, Naboo, he and Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan are infiltrating uh, the city, and they are about to engage uh, a convoy of droids that are transporting um, the Queen and a lot of her advisors uh, to a detainment area. But uh, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan engage the droids, and Jar Jar seemingly... Is uh, kind of he he kind of fumbles getting down from the bridge that they were standing on, and droids begin droids take aim at him, at where he is on the bridge. But you see, the droids fire, but Jar Jar drops from the other side of the bridge, and you can actually see the droids' heads follow Jar Jar's movement across. One of them sh continues to shoot where he used to be, but he drops on the complete other side of the bridge. And the droid behind the droid that shoots, his head moves and follows Jar Jar's movements across the bridge to where he eventually ends up. And so these are animated entities, both Jar Jar and the droids. So this was intentionally done. And hey, I think that this... And we've seen Jedi use Force Speed in Episode 1, actually. Earlier in the movie, we see Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan utilize Force Speed to get away from... Uh, the Droidicus. So, that's another thing. Uh, Jedi Mind Tricks. He's very unassuming when it comes to this, but it's quite blatant, actually, because it's whenever Jedi Mind Tricks are being performed, you can see it's a very explicit hand gesture, and Jar Jar talks with his hands a lot, and a lot, what the theory implies is that him talking with his hands is actually him influencing the minds of those around him in a slightly less obvious way. Um, but uh, he waves his hands whenever he's promoted to general of the Gunkan army. He's waves his hands whenever he's being promoted to senator. And whenever he's, you know, handing or expressing that the Senate should hand over emergency powers to the Supreme Chancellor, effectively making him the most powerful entity in the entire Galactic Republic, handing over power to who we can assume is his apprentice or at least his peer in the dark side of the force. Um, and you also see him, uh, it's Captain Panaka, um, the head of Padme's security force, 
whenever he is saying, uh, telling Qui-Gon that uh, Padme wants to go into the city with them, you see Jar Jar mouthing the words as uh, Panaka says them. And so he's influencing Padme going into the city with him and eventually meeting Anakin, which eventually prompts Anakin's turn to the dark side. It's a whole domino effect, and it's absolutely wild, but I think that it's rather entertaining. Also, there's no reason for Palpatine to keep him around after he essentially makes his rise to power because he couldn't be just influencing or just manipulating Jar Jar into doing this. If he, or, okay, sorry. If he was just manipulating Jar Jar into giving him emergency powers, then why keep him around up until the last days of the Clone Wars? Why keep him in your entourage? Kick him out at that point. He's a buffoon, if he is a buffoon. So that's another reason, because he's still around and hanging very close to the Chancellor in Episode 3. And then, this is my favorite argument for why Jar Jar is in fact a Sith Lord and therefore Darth Jar Jar. It's because he fits the character archetype of the unassuming creature on the side of the road. Now, a thing, some things to note. George Lucas very much took a drew inspiration from the hero's journey for uh, these movies that he made. And not only that, he wanted them to quote-unquote rhyme. He wanted there to be a lot of consistencies that were similar across the different movies. And you can see that if you if you know what to look for. But, so the character on the side of the road is an archetype that he was wanting to fill in the prequel trilogy. And we don't really see it fulfilled in any specific way. Because the creature on the side of the road tends to be one who uh, begins unassuming and then actually uh, reveals himself or herself to be extremely prominent and important to the story. And now Jar Jar is just kind of comic relief as we know him, but the theory goes that Jar Jar was supposed to be the creature, unassuming creature on the side of the road that ends up holding great significance. Now, who was this archetype filled by in the original trilogy? It was Yoda. Yoda was the unassuming creature on the side of the road that Luke encounters on Dagobah, who reveals himself to be the sage, wise Jedi Master who's able to lift his X-Wing out of the swamp. Now, since um, Yoda was this archetype in the original trilogy, and Star Wars is meant to rhyme, then it stands to reason that Jar Jar was meant to be the narrative archetypal uh, rhyme, quote-unquote, or foil to Yoda. And then in episode two... It was to be revealed that Jar Jar was in fact a Sith Lord, and Yoda was going to have a fight with his archetypal foil rather than with Count Dooku, who was kind of underdeveloped and shoehorned in at the last minute due to Jar Jar's uh, just kind of immense backlash and general dis- the general distaste surrounding the character after the Phantom Menace. And that's why we got Dooku, that's why Jar Jar exists as we know him. Uh, in the current canon. But that's about all that I have to say about Darth Jar Jar. If I missed anything, let me know. And that, like I said, there's a lot more on the internet uh, about this topic, but I just wanted to go through the basics. Um, but yeah, that's Darth Jar Jar 
And I really hope that y'all enjoyed it. If you want me to kind of talk more about it, then I'm happy to. But like I said, I believe this conspiracy theory. I don't think that it's a thing anymore. I don't think that Darth Jar Jar is still a thing, but I do think that that was George Lucas's original intention. And I think that he just executed it a little bit poorly because if he had maybe uh, kind of hinted at Jar Jar being a Sith a little bit more in The Phantom Menace, then people might have uh, taken to his character a little bit more um, kindly than they actually did instead of waiting to uh, reveal that in the next episode. But say la vie. Uh, that's all that I have for this episode, but it wouldn't be a proper episode if I didn't leave you with a little bit more. more! Of course, I gotta give y'all a Jar Jar more today. And what I got for y'all is that the length of Jar Jar's tongue is approximately uh, one meter, or three feet and three inches long. Um, so, that's all that I got for today. Um, I really hope that y'all enjoyed this. This was a super fun episode for me to put together. Uh, once again, if I missed anything, feel free to comment. Um, uh, if this is if you're listening on YouTube, feel free to comment below. If you're listening on my website, feel free to email in uh, twinsuntalks at podcast dot or no, twinsuntalks at gmail dot com uh, or DM me on Instagram at twinsuntalks. Uh, that's all for I have. That's all I have for today. Uh, you've taken your first steps into a larger world. May the force be with you, and I will see y'all in the next episode. Bye, friends.